I've been to every Major League Baseball park, and I'm working on football stadiums, and I just have two left, so I'm going to SoFi in August to okay. see Chargers Cowboys. So I'll be there for nice. that. I'll be there for that one. So I'll be in your neck of the woods. We can do barbecue out there <laughs> in L.A., yeah. what they're known for. Just <laughs> Unfortunately, i got to say, I, I, um, I've had to become part-time vegan. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, yeah, man. it's just a real shame. Like, you know, I was the kind of guy that, like, uh, I have a smoker. I like to do ribs. I would have people, you know, over and kind of do the whole thing. Um, but with the high level of stress and lack of sleep, doctor was like, yeah, man, you got to be vegan. Like, oh, man, you got to just do it. And I was like, wait, so no barbecue? He's like, no. So, uh, but what I tell people Thanks. is like, I'm part-time vegan. Part-time. And, uh, I'm part-time. So, like, I cheat on the, you know, every other weekend or so. And I, if, I, if, I, if I know the barbecue is going to be killing I'll I'll dive in on it, but yeah. otherwise, well, we won't do the tour. Then I'll be selective, and then <laughs> yeah. I'll take you to the best salads in Nashville. <laughs> <laughs> you ever been to a Ruby Tuesday salad bar? All you can eat nine ninety five. The cucumbers are fresh. The ranch dressing is thick, just uh, like you want it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I think a, Ruby t- I think part time vegan was actually the original title that Stevie Wonder yeah. had. Yeah. He was working with part time vegan. Part time vegan, but it wasn't a big enough thing that people didn't really know what it was. So he went with love. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. Turn up the radio and sing along. It's time for another great song. This is the Great Song Podcast. Seasons greetings and welcome once again to the Great Song Podcast. I'm Rob Alley. I am JP Mosier. And we're here to celebrate <laughs> the greatest songs in modern music history. We're going to tell you what makes them great, why we think they're awesome, and why you should too. JP, how you doing today, man? Man, I am doing fantastic. fantastic. We are wrapping up the middle, uh, the between season uh, series that we have going right. on some of the more behind the scenes artists or, uh, you know, people that yes. are behind the scenes, not necessarily artists, but people in the music business. That's right. Our tour of the music industry. There we go. Oh, that sounds so much better than everything I just said. <laughs> and we've got uh, we saved the do a, a doozy for the end because it's a double whammy. That's right. This one will be focusing on producers and composers. Yeah. Rob, tell them who we're hanging out with and play a little of the song that uh, that they're going to be most noted for here currently okay words today (laughs) using words (laughs) today we are hanging out with jacob yaffe and rowan hilton uh who are producer composers writers um and the song we're going to play you right now is the theme song to the new iteration of the wonder years that you can see on abc you can see on hulu this is the main title theme up for an emmy so that's right it's up for an emmy right now currently as as we we roll so uh this is Jacob Yaffe, uh, Rowan Hilton, and Scotty Grand on lead vocals. Um, but these guys composed, wrote, produced this, and, and a ton of other stuff You're that gonna we're going to get into. You're going to love the interview, like all the stuff that they've had their hands in. It's, yeah. it's wonderful. So, But let's kick you to a little bit of this, and then we're going to talk about them for just a second, and then we're going to talk to them for a long time. This is All I Know. I don't even know if I said this. This song is called All I Know, the Wonder Years theme. Some days come with hard times You can stumble, you can fall Just keep smiling through it all Love is hard
Dude, it feels like the Wonder Years. It does. You know what I mean? Oh, like man. the the cover art is is kid riding a bike, uh-huh. sort of into a golden sunset, and that's exactly what it feels like yeah. in a you know a more innocent age, maybe where you was like safer and just it just feels like playing at golden hour. You know? Yeah, it's great, um, man. The uh, and for those of y'all that are just. Joining us for this, if this may be your first episode, this is not a traditional episode. Yeah, um, what they sound like on the Great Song Podcast. We're in between seasons, so this one is very interview focused. Where right. we're focusing mainly on the interview. We're not breaking down a specific song. We're not doing a meet the band section. We're not doing our stump the genius games. Those kind of things. No right. theory. This is just basically focused on the on the artists at hand, or in yeah. this case, the producer yes, and, and composer. And yes, and so we wanted to spot like these guys because these guys are on the rise still. Like they've got. St- Stuff all over the place, and as they as we talked to them uh, today, they were like, "We're in the middle of like yeah. what do they call it? Production tunnel or writing yeah. tunnel or something?" Man, they're um, they're grinding composition tunnel, and they're literally like team no sleep at all right now <laughs> um, because and, they're so busy. Yeah, and we started with <clears throat> one, and so we knew we had Jacob on early, That's and right. then Roe jumped in in the middle, so yeah. we don't technically do an inter- introduction for him. That's right, but y'all will hear him jump in. That's right, yes. Um, and so these guys have have got stuff in. Movies and and TV shows all over the place. We're going to talk about several of them with them. Um, but I, something I'm excited for is I've felt like this. And maybe it's maybe it's been like this, but I've felt like for the past few years the the idea of like calling on writing and production and composition teams mm-hmm. for these things is is kind of a new age of this is beginning, if that makes yeah. sense. So like, you know, I think about the, the team that did like La La Land and mm-hmm. the greatest showman and stuff like that. It's like, these guys are really getting to know each other and working with each other a lot. And they kind of, people start to call on them as a unit because they know they're going to get quality. Yeah. Um, and so that's how I feel, you know, like Jacob and Rowan are, um, you know, being, being called on as guys who are at the top of their games yeah. and who can elevate a, a movie, elevate a, a, sh- uh, you know, a show or a, uh, like a, you know, these YouTube series that they did, LeBron James, this whole thing, uh, Kevin Hart, like it, we didn't even talk about the star Wars stuff that he's like involved in. Yeah, so like there's it, stuff that we didn't even get around to cause it's so much yeah. and it's something it's up and coming team stuff. Yeah. yeah. So these are young guys who are still, um, who are in my opinion, still on the rise. You're going to hear a lot more from them, but they are also well established. Yeah. They, they are both young and also at the top of the industry, as noted by their Emmy nomination this year for the Wonder Years. That's so, good. Yeah. Um, so without they've any done further a lot ado, in a short period of time that's for right. such young guys. That yes, are, and they're relevant as it comes. That's right. So uh, we hope you enjoy our interview with them, and this is going to be the last stop on the tour. Yeah. That means uh, next week, next season week, ten. Season ten begins, and so we are super excited to bring you '80s August. Uh, four straight number one jams to begin season 10 here at the Great Song Podcast. And uh, we're going to celebrate. So it's going to be a good time. Enjoy our conversation with Rowan and Jacob. And we'll see you guys on the other side. This is the Great Song Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here with composer, uh, writer, producer, Jacob Yaffe, uh, all over the film and TV industry, and I, just all sorts of you, you, you and Rowan have so much stuff going on that like we can't even really pin you down to one thing. So we're just going to talk about a lot of stuff with you today, Jacob. Thank you so much for joining us on the Great Song Podcast. 
Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. It's going to be a blast. We've already had a good time talking some uh, barbecue and sports with you, um, and so <laughs> I have a I have a feeling this is going to be going to be a fun few minutes together. Um, so I, we kind of mentioned uh, a lot of our questions kind of talk about the dynamic between you and Rowan because you guys work together so well and so often as a production duo. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I just want to know kind of how that relationship began, uh, where the, how, the, how the two of you linked up to begin with. Yeah, it's actually a, an interesting story. We met in Israel. Israel, I'm saying it funny. Um, you really went hard on the L, Israel, <laughs> Israel like super proper yeah. Hebrewish. Yeah. <laughs> we met went in Israel. We were at a, uh, a music conference. We didn't know each other uh, prior. They, it was like an invite, invite sort of situation where they had people in various aspects of the music industry, like um, like Shakira's manager was there, uh, Pharrell's manager. They had a um, Billy Eilish's um, agent or whatever. There's all these people on the on, on industry side, and then there was like some songwriters, producers. I was the only kind of composer, uh, and definitely like film composer there. And we were kind of all went for two weeks, and it was more like a I don't know. It was like a spiritual sort of gathering. It was just an amazing program that's funded by this uh, family, billionaire family, and they just kind of want to foster goodness in the world it's really incredible so you go and you know it was and i think a lot of us who went thought oh this we're going to go on this like 10 12 day vacation um and it ended up being kind of life-changing experience so ron and i hit it off we became fast friends we always joke because uh, i think the first night we were just hanging out uh, first night we started talking we were just like watching the sunset and the mediterranean sea drinking old fashions talking about aliens and conspiracy theories and, you know, at the time, you're just talking with everyone. You don't even know where each other lives. Found out he also lived in L.A. And, you know, when we got back, we just wanted to hang out. And then we, you know, realized we both did kind of music, but very, very different types of music. Hey, can we work together just some way? Um, he had a, a couple of projects that he asked me to be a part of. They ended up not happening, but they were a lot of fun. So then when I got a project that kind of could work in his world – it was a Gap campaign where uh, Janelle Monet was going to sing, and I had to record a fifty-piece choir at Capitol Records and do this whole this whole thing. And I said, "Hey, do you want to join me? Let's do this t- together." It went so well. I mean, we just kind of just like talking with you guys. We were just laughing the whole time, having all this fun. You know, he called in a bunch of singer friends. It just was a blast. Uh, and then, uh, you know, so I told my agent, um, hey, if you got anything that could work with me and Rowan, magically, a LeBron James show kind of appeared. And they said, we need something that's kind of like a mixture between jazz and hip hop and film score. And so we, we had a call with the I know, right? We're like, oh. So we, we uh, I mean, we went hard. I think we made like a full track album like rappers singers and we went in recorded all these jazz player friends of mine and just gave it to the director like here you go here's our demo <laughs> and then every single piece of music we did on that demo ended up in a series wow that um, would be a best shot i guess for those of y'all that yeah. are uh is that the one you're speaking of just yeah it's not, called best not shot speak out of t- yeah i listen to lost clear your mind leave this town let it rise all- it's it's mood man it'll take you yeah. somewhere it's yes. like mood music for sure truly yeah and that, I mean, luckily, I mean, it was really great too because, uh, you know, it was a it was a YouTube series, uh, but the like, you know, it ended up really kind of being at the end run by I don't know, it was like Warner Brothers was involved, and 
the soundtrack was so uh, well liked. Um, Warner Brothers ended up releasing the soundtrack to the series on the Water Tower layer, uh, a label, and um, it was just kind of like wow. It just kept going and going and getting attention. Up, oh, look, he's calling in. Hey, what's going on? How's it going? Oh, it goes. Hey, you're good. <laughs> hey, dude, all good. We got all the dirt on you. It's been awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks Amazing. That's how, you make a, that's how you make a great song, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's good. We were just talking about kind of how, how, how the two of you guys, you know, linked up and met. And, and, and uh, Jacob was just talking about um, how Best Shot kind of blew up. Um, Jacob, if you want to continue there, them kind of releasing the album, uh, Warner Brothers. Sure. So, yeah, Warner Brothers ended up releasing the album, which was really exciting for us. And I remember telling Rowan, like, oh, at least in my experience doing film scores, like, this doesn't really happen. I'm always like, can we release the soundtrack? And they're like, no, now go away. <laughs> uh, but Warner Brothers put it out and it just kind of that led we were at the premiere celebration for that. And we talked to like a network executive and she said, oh, we have this other show. Would you be interested and that's how it just kept going. And we're in like 15 shows later. Each show is just leading to the next. It's just like, so it feels right. It feels like, you know, we're, we're meant to work together and we're having a blast. You know, um, we laugh, we laugh a lot, not going to lie. The pressure and the deadlines can get to us. So sometimes, you know, we, 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 we tend to argue. We're like snip at each other when you're really tired. But in the end, the product is so great that sometimes we just got to sit back pinch ourselves like can you believe we're get we get to do this we're getting paid to do this it's it's pretty awesome yeah i wanted to ask as a as a team how you guys kind of complement each other and how you handle disagreement or or your difference of opinion in a project we just arm wrestle to the death okay (laughs) now to to be honest to be honest with you it is like i i I mean we we didn't i didn't have really get to get into it i've been a big sports player my whole life in like any great team right like you're gonna you're gonna have those moments where you're like what the you said you're gonna be you said you're gonna be there but then when you're winning championships you're like man you know, like, and, and, you know, I don't know if I'm allowed to cuss. Sorry. Hopefully you we'll strike that. Yeah, we're, we're family friendly, but we'll, we'll edit it. You're hopefully, good. Yeah. You're comfortable. Hopefully, yeah. just, hopefully yeah, you play your, you pay your, you pay your stenographer well. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, yeah, so yeah, man, we, we've been successful. We've been winning, you know, and, and it's a blessing to be able to not only, you know, do music with somebody that you can trust and respect, but do business with somebody, yeah. trust and respect mm-hmm. and do life. And so I would say, you know, the ways that we complement each other, we come from very different backgrounds. Um, and I think one of the skill sets um, that we both share is being open to being wrong, right? And being open to know that your huge. perspective is not the only perspective. And to be honest with you, we're both right and we're both wrong often. <laughs> and we, know each other. we know each other well enough to know when it's my ish or his ish, right? Like our traumas for the industry. And, and like, you know, we'll both say it like, this may be my ish, but I don't agree with you. And yeah. then we might be like, bro, I think you're right on this. And then to, to know yourself enough to know like, hey, I'm not going to be able to finish this and it'd be great. Can you finish it? Because we know it's your other strengths. And I think that's where we complement each other. And the differences are our strengths. Right. It's not our it's not our weakness. So it's a blessing. You mentioned that you are a sports fan. Pick the sport. Name a team. Who do you like? Pick it, man. It's tough. I I, I was I I was a a really, really good football player in my my younger days. So I've always loved football, but I hate the NFL as a business. Okay, 
But I, I, it's going to have to be football. There's just no way, man, to be honest with you. Um, I was always a huge Peyton Manning fan. Okay. Hey, well, we're from Tennessee, so. I'm not a Broncos fan, though. Okay. Um, I'm, you know, I would say if I have to pick a team, that's tough, man. If I have to pick a team, because it's about players, man. If I sure. pick a team, I've seen you go Chargers season tickets. Okay. So we'll just stay there. Um, I wouldn't say they were my favorite team, but I love to watch. How about that? The Houston Oilers was my team that I grew up on. Many, a, many a disappointment. So now you get to have that disappointment. <laughs> were you well, a Warren Moon guy? Was that your guy? Oh, of course. Of course. And it's so, so much of a fan of Warren Moon that so his son and me are the same age. We grew up in the same neighborhood. Okay. And we used to play basketball together. I would That's drop cool. 20 on his head every time <laughs> just because he was Warren Moon's son. Right. You'd be like, you bring I, your dad out. I got him now. Oh, yeah, bro. I got 2025 for you today, sir. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's the extent of my sports stories right That's good, man. That's good. So you guys were talking about you know different backgrounds being a strength for you, and you can really hear it in uh, kind of the, the the body of work that you guys have put together so far. That it's really the, this varying degree of styles. You know everything from uh, this like jazz influenced hip hop you know, stuff from like best shot to, you know, stuff, uh, that's like the Sherwood stuff that some of it is like, you know, shiny and poppy and, you know, and then obviously very cinematic things. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, where I'd like to know from, from both of you, what was your sort of natural production style, uh, as individuals? And then, you know, how did you start stretching out into, into these other areas? When I first, uh, like when I was a kid, I, I always wanted to do film film music, and my first love was, um, I mean, the first music that I really loved was like Michael Jackson music. Like his, I heard his, you know, I think that was the first time I heard music in my life where I was like, ooh, kind of perked my ear and, and started my whole like journey. Um, but then I remember being eight and watching Gremlins and being like, I really <laughs> want to do music for movies. Wow! I told my mom That's when I was eight. One. I was like. Yeah, I know most most composers you talk to, they're like, I saw Star Wars, and I was like, I got to do that, and I didn't. Gremlins got me somehow. That's awesome. uh, so uh, yeah, I was just all in, and so you know, I was my I went to college thinking I was going to learn how to write for the orchestra because I wanted to do it properly. I wanted to know how to really do it, and then my plan was to move to L.A. right afterward and jump in the fire. But when I was in college, I heard modern jazz for the first time, and it blew me away. And I was like, I have to. I got to go figure out what this is. And I spent like a decade going down this rabbit hole playing modern jazz. And then eventually was kind of drawn back towards, towards film music and orchestral writing. So I kind of like had both jazz and classical as my, my basis. And then when I got to LA, you know, you end up just getting asked to do a million different things. As soon as you get to LA, you're like, here, I want to work on film music. And they immediately ask you to do something you don't know how to do. <laughs> so you quickly have to just be resourceful. And as soon as you show up, they're like, you need to learn how to write like Hans Zimmer and Trent Reznor and Thomas Newman. Right. <laughs> yeah. And you really just have to write over. doesn't matter who you are. You're going to be asked to sound like one of those three. <laughs> right. And so you just have to dive in right away. Uh, so, so that was me and the industry sort of shifted me and, uh, and then I'll let Rowan take over from here on his background. Yeah. I, I you know, we, we did a, a interview a couple of years back and, and the, the person interviewing us said, you know, film, film composers are not born, they're made. Um, and I don't know, I think Jacob would lie, would, would say he's a liar, but for <laughs> me, I, you know, I started out, um, ironically enough as a, I wanted to be a Christian rapper. Okay. So, and I, and I quickly knew nobody would make my beats. So I make, I go to, 
to a little music store and make beats on little keyboards and then rap over them and put a tape cassette tape in and overdub myself. Sorry, I'm telling on my age. <laughs> and then I got, I got to college and just I kind of wanted to take music a little bit more seriously. Um, and so I, I, I still was making beats and like, you know, I, I had played piano when I was a kid and because of a, a girl, I joined the orchestra. Solid. Um, then um, I started my, my college time was Oral Roberts. We uh, they started a music technology program, and I was kind of like the guinea pig kid. I mean, I became an adjunct professor, so I had to like really know my stuff wow. at the conservatory, and I was like producing and engineering there. And then I moved to Atlanta, um, where I kind of kind of honed those skills, and I was on staff at Universal as an engineer at first. I always wanted to be a producer though, but I knew I didn't want to have to work at McDonald's or wait tables, so I told myself I was like, "Look, let me get a job in the business." And so from there. <laughs> Just working, producing, you know, meeting people. Um, and eventually one, one group of people I was working with was like, you shouldn't be an engineer. You should produce. Like, you know, send your tracks to the A&R. That's how I started getting placements, started getting known around the city. Um, and then Superbase happened. I mean, I was like, finally, I have enough money to, to live in L.A. and not die of poverty. So <laughs> I, moved to, I moved to L.A., and just was producing for a while, just, you know, mainly in pop. You know, I know the question was not so much how, what, how we started, but it kind of, you know, goes together because um, I was just mainly doing pop. I, I, as I started doing more and more work, I, it started to be less and less fun to work with rappers. Okay. I started becoming a professional. I mean, I just wanted to make pop music, you know, because I liked the way it felt, sounded, um, and it was just way more lucrative. It, just, it was just more validation there, too. So doing pop records, um, then just kind of got tired of the business, and then I got invited on an Israel trip where Jacob and I met. Um, and it's funny because before Jacob and I met, the first part, the, the, I think the last project I did before we uh, became a duo was I got asked to do an indie film. And I had never done film before. Um, and at the same time, I was working on Kendrick. So I wanted Jacob and I to kind of mind meld. And then so from there, we started working together. And even though my pop and urban sensibilities um, still kind of, you know, or guidepost, um, we've been, we've had to do just a little bit about everything. Right. And so I, I know Jacob is a much more better, more better, a much better <laughs> pop, pop and hip hop producer now as I'm a better classical and jazz arranger producer as well. So we've kind of bled on, bled um, into each other's creatives lives. You, uh, you mentioned that you wanted to be a Christian rapper. Did you listen to any yeah. Christian rap at the time? And if so, oh, who? yeah. Who'd you like? Well, Grits, I, well, Tebow. Well, yeah, like, well, I know those guys. Grits. I, I actually, when I, I went to the Dove Awards and frequented many times in Nash Vegas. Yeah. And I met Grits and um, the DC Talk guys, yeah. New Boys. Pretty much, there's like five people at the time growing up. So yeah. I met all five. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's How about that? That's good. But okay. you know it's true. Yeah, you know, it's true. We lived it. We, yeah. We're church boys. Yeah. We grew up in it. That's our era. I worked yeah, at a Christian know. bookstore for five years in that era. Um, so, like, I understand. When I turned 10, I went, there are other rappers besides Michael Peace? What? <laughs> right. <laughs> and then, you know, and then a KJ52. And then um and then finally getting to meet Mike Michael W. Smith. Yeah. And being like, you are the Michael Jackson of Christian Something like that. That's anyway. Good. No, that's, that's well said. Ja- okay, Jacob, you uh, we touched a little on your jazz your jazz roots. I checked out Dead Reckoning with you holding the sax on the cover, dude. It's awesome. Um I'm not I'm, oh, I don't, not a lot of our listeners probably read Saxophone Journal magazine, but I thought I'd look through that because you're in there and I learned about the Murray Avenue Jazz Initiative. Are y'all still active? Are y'all still doing anything? 
No, but that that is the band that was performing, and they came up and said, "Hey, we don't want you to be nervous, but you know." Oh, that's the Mike, Mike Tomlin story. Yeah, the Mike yes. Tomlin was in the audience, okay, and I was great. like, "Who the hell is Mike Tomlin?" <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, but that was uh, yeah the Murray. It was actually a club uh, on Murray Avenue, uh, and we needed a name, and they needed it like that night. Um, and so I forget, I don't think it was the bass player, Tony was like, we should just call ourselves Magi, Murray Avenue Jazz Initiative. We Magi. Like, that's cool. well, there you go. That's Solid. awesome. Yeah. 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 So that's the Mike Tomlin story. That works. Mm-hmm. That's great. Bro, you talked on how you, you know, you obviously worked on super bass. With, yeah. He with, just, ca- I like he how just, just kind of subtly, ca- subtle flex. Just casually said, oh, and man. then super bass and happened. And then super bass happened. I know, right? <laughs> you, uh, you also worked with, you know, Ariana Grande on Honeymoon Avenue. It didn't stop there. But you didn't only deal with female powerhouses. You've also been with male megastars like Flo Rida and Neo. And Luda. How does pre- preparation, preparation, prep, yeah, for, a, for a female project differ for prep from a male project? Is there any oh. mental preparation that goes into that? Any difference? Yeah. I, you know, it's interesting because I think that's one of the reasons why I kind of, to be honest with you, got annoyed with the business because in this, in a session with a male artist, and as far as pop style, so you have to be the strongest personality in the room, or at least the person that they'll listen to. You know what I'm saying? As it relates to no matter how many hits you have, but if you have a certain hit, a, a, you know, a female artist, she's going to be like, okay, she's going to listen to you, kind of follow your lead if you delivered before, right? It's just a little easier path um, for the most part, right? You, you definitely, you know, everybody has big personalities, um, but I noticed that more in the urban world as far as pop artists, male artists, like if you're good, anybody's going to listen to you. You just have to prove that you're good and you can give them something that they need. You know what I mean? And, you know, once somebody finds out that, hey, I need to listen to this person because they're good at what they do, um, then it becomes easy. And, I've, and and another rule of thumb, you know, a lot of times you, you, you find writers and producers who make friends with the artists because it's, you know, yeah. it, it, it's just better to do that. But the reason why it's better is because you can create you can just create better with somebody that you like to work with. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, it seems obvious because it is, you know, you're working with a friend and you hate what they do. They still respect you at the yeah. moment. What they did in that moment, you'd be like, I don't like that so much, but if they're not your friend, they might, it might be like, we're never working again. Yeah. So the preparation is just, you know, be a good human, meet good people and deliver. That's good. Yeah. I've, I've heard producers talking about the importance of making, especially vocalists, but artists, you know, musicians as well, uh, comfortable, you know, during the production process and while you're tracking and all those things. Uh, what are some of the things that you guys do, uh, you know, especially when you're working with singers to help build that trust and build that sort of cohesive relationship quickly? I mean, you sing very badly, so it makes them feel better about themselves. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. but, but also, it's, I, I'm, I'm telling you, it's not so different than working with a filmmaker, right? And I've learned that over the years. I, I joke and call Jacob the, you know, the, the director whisperer because he knows exactly <laughs> how to talk to a filmmaker to be able to put them at ease, to give them what they want. Sometimes people don't realize they're in their own way from getting what they want, mm-hmm. right? And you just got to establish and build a level of trust um, so that they will be able to do it. Sometimes, I'm telling you, some, most of the time, they're just being a good human and meeting people where they're at. That's, That's good. good. That's good. Jacob, have you guys ever... Have, uh, have you guys ever come across a project specifically for like film or something like that, where you just go, this, this director has no idea, like their vision for what they want musically is completely wrong for this project. And if so, how do you, how do you sort of address that? Yeah, that, that happens a lot. And it's not, it's not like a demeaning thing to say uh, about a filmmaker. I think, 
you know, anything they're creating is incredibly difficult. It's, I mean, these projects are just massive undertakings. Even a small indie film is just like, it's a miracle that it ever gets finished, you know? So, um, I definitely have a soft spot for, um, all filmmakers trying to pull anything off. And I, and I think often it starts with their vision and then it, you know, you have more people coming on board and it sort of shifts and changes and gets in the way. And so by the time we get involved, the director's still talking with their original vision, but we're seeing what it actually is. Mm. Yeah. And they may not want to accept the writing on the wall. So you kind of have to listen to what they want to do and figure out how can we still make them happy, but understand how we get this over the finish line. Cause there are a lot of, the longer I work in the industry and you very well, you not longer, you very quickly realize the politics involved. You know, you're working with the director on something or the producer and TV. The producers are more of the creative uh, controllers. Um, but you, you understand that you have to make them happy, but it has to get through the notes. The network has to approve it. The studio has to approve it. The executive producer, sometimes the spouse or the boyfriend, girlfriend of somebody has to like it too. <laughs> so you really have to figure that out early on. So when directors will say something, you think, man, this person's crazy. Can I be honest with them? And I've tried a few times. Sometimes I'm honest and it completely backfires. <laughs> you just got to try. Um, you know, and it's, it's difficult. Even when you have directors who, you know, become close friends, it's, it's, it's just hard, man. Cause like you, they're bringing you this thing that they just, oh man, I worked on this for three years <laughs> and you're telling me that like, uh, it's, you, you know, it's hard. I, I don't have a specific answer for that. It's just hard. I think there's, there's this element to being able to digest, um, your own art that I think is a lot easier with music than it is with film, right? Because, uh, filmmakers, you know, when they're putting their heart and soul and their emotion to it, sometimes they don't realize that a shot is not communicating their childhood dream of recreating Star Wars. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You, sometimes there's just this emotional connection that's missing, right? Whereas, you know, music is a, not the music. Yeah, music is just a simpler medium, right? It's just it's just really coming through your ears and the rest is the imagination. So you're moving emotion. You can feel that sense that or don't. Filmmakers, sometimes they're really thinking that their heady ideas are communicating and translating. And, you know, our job is to create and facilitate the conversation through music with the audience that they might not be able to, you know, understand. You know what I mean? So to Jacob's point, you know, our job is to kind of be a mediator, right, or a moderator in that conversation. Yeah, I was going to ask Jacob to kind of talk about scoring Olive, the first feature film shot on a cell phone. Like, what are the challenges there? Like, and do, when you go in, are you thinking in your mind as you're scoring this, like, this is going to, this is, did you know going in that it was shot on a cell phone, the whole thing? Did they tell you that before or kind of how does that work? Yeah, that, man, that's digging back in, back in the, in the days. Uh, yeah, that was, um, that was such a, a crazy time. I like when I first got to LA, you know, you're just sort of like grasping at any, any opportunity. I was like hitting up Craigslist for gigs and just trying to break into the industry. And I had scored a project that the previous composer was fired off of. And it was like, kind of like almost like a crowdfunded thing. And, um, we ended up getting like an orchestra to record on the East coast for free. Uh, and then that score was heard by the director of Olive. Um, and uh, we ended up getting like a ridiculous L.A. like Hollywood players orchestra for Olive. Uh, and I, I remember we recorded the Sunday after Thanksgiving 2011. And the players that showed up, I know that the cellist who played on it, um, he's like 
legendary. And I remember he was telling me when all the musicians started coming in, he looked at me. He's like, dude, you have an amazing orchestra here. <laughs> and it was just like, it was non-union. It was like one of those hush-hush gigs. Okay. And uh, But because it was the Sunday after Thanksgiving, these, these musicians just answered the phone like, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. So it ended up sounding, I played piano and I remember the first few, the first take, I, I stopped playing because I was like, God, it sounded so good. Uh, so that's what we got for the first uh, cell phone movie. But yeah, when we when I first saw it, man, it it definitely was a struggle. They had to make special lens for the Nokia phone, and um, Gina Rollins is in it. She's a great actress. Um, but they had you know they had a lot of problems with you know editing and trying to pull off you know doing it and getting support. People at the time, the industry wasn't really supportive of like outside filmmakers doing things like that. So. The director of that, he, you know, definitely was like a hustler trying to get that made. Um, I'm still bummed that the movie has never been released because um, you guys will appreciate this. Dolly Parton saw the film and she loved it so much. She wrote six original songs for the movie. Wow. And then they even went back and re-edited the film to like feature her songs. And the director had to call me. He's like, hey, dude, like... You know, you did a great job scoring this scene. This and we had to we had to mute your music because we put in Dolly Parton's song. Oh. Like, I mean, what can I say, dude? It's like Dolly Parton. So, <laughs> uh, but they, the director still hasn't released the movie. Like, and yeah. apparently at one point, like Walmart wanted to like exclusively release it. You know, because they they love the Dolly Parton element. Um, but yeah, just uh, that's that's all of right there. It was it was a challenge. I'm still bummed that it didn't get released. There's actually some other stories that I probably can't say publically. That <laughs> no, you're good. So oh, come ju- on now. This is <laughs> yeah. Rob's the antagonist. No. It's like bring it. And I'm like, no, you're safe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's just like there was like a whole Oscar connection with the film, and it was like it even was nominated that year in the best song category. And then there was one person involved that had a complete like emotional breakdown pub like publicly and the academy removed us from the ceremony they removed us even though we were one of the best songs that year in the like the nominees it was removed because i said this is going to be a pr nightmare wow and i was like oh my god like can you imagine like literally the director like flew down he went to the academy president's house and it was like this whole thing and i was just like oh my god dude like Dang. this is so crazy yeah it's just like you never know so i remember like a friend of mine was a voting member at the time and she called me she's like yeah i voted for you and i was like i didn't even know it was like up there so man that's anyway. crazy that's, wow that's a good story the business you know music I, they always say music and film are two industries where it hasn't happened until it's happened you know and mm-hmm. it's just that's just the wildest the amount of heartbreak that you guys you know have to deal with waiting on projects to come out like let's say for example you know you're you're working on a score for uh, a film especially i imagine these can drag on forever how what's what's the amount of like we're working on it for this amount of time and then we wait until i mean like in the case of all it's still waiting what's sort of a common amount of time you put in the work yeah. as far as scoring writing producing between then and when uh, you know, like a film comes out, a year, okay, a year I'd say is a nice safe average. Uh, you know, it's because even up, uh, you know, like we actually just finished um, a, an amazing I- independent feature film. We recorded um, orchestra on the Warner Brothers scoring stage, uh, tracked a bunch of musicians in New York, 
um, as well. I mean, it was so much fun. Um, they're mixing right now in New York. Um, but yeah, I mean, they have to go through the festival rounds um, because you want to attract distributors. And then once the distributors get a hold, then they have they want to make their little changes. And mm-hmm. so that takes time. And then they have to decide, well, how are we going to release it? Is it going to go out on a platform? Is it going to be like, you know, red box, whatever, whatever it is, yeah. you know, it just takes so long. So then you're sitting there like, Oh, I want it to come out. Cause I want these, you know, the world to see it and we can like kind of celebrate and all this, but it's such, it's such the waiting game. And like I said, you know, I mean, I started a movie once uh, in 2008 still hasn't come out. So it's like 2008 is that, that's when all yeah. it started 2008. No, that was another film. Yeah. Still hasn't finished. Wow. Um, well, we're going to release yeah, I mean, this in July of 2023. Hope yeah. y'all are cool with that. Um, <laughs> we're way ahead. So, all joking yeah, aside, yeah, yeah. we kind of, we got, we are, we get way ahead on it. We have 20 plus that are in the can that we are just waiting to release. And we understand like, it's like, I want to get to them, but for different reasons, we're just fortunately backlog. But I understand the excitement of wanting to get that stuff out. Yeah. So I, I want to dig into one of the most recent things that I know that you guys have worked on, and that's the theme to the, the sort of Wonder Years, um, I guess relaunch is a, is a decent word. Um, how did that all come about? Um, and was there, did you guys feel pressure as far as like it being, you know, for the Wonder Years, like such an iconic theme song before with the Joe Cocker thing? How did that stuff all work out for you guys? And we, you know, it was, it was kind of a serendipitous moment, to be honest with you, because we were knee deep in score. Um, we didn't even know that was an, an, an option. We didn't, you know, we thought it was just going to be the, the Joe Cocker song. In fact, when we did our demo, we did our own version, um, re-sang the Joe Cocker, uh, well, not Joe Cocker, the Beatles, yeah, the Beatles song, yeah, right. <laughs> but with a Joe Cocker arrangement, but gospel style mm-hmm. um and when we do we you know brought in a legendary collaborator with us and we always often work with a longtime friend of mine i'm named scotty grand um and so we you know we sent it in thought you know that was going to be just in the running for it it ended up in all the commercials they end up using another version so we're like oh they probably gonna use that for the you know the main titles and then you know our showrunners are like we are not using that joe cocker song it was like what and yeah because apparently just like you said they want to they wanted to have a new idea, new identity for this show because mm-hmm. it's already the Wonder Years, right? So they wanted the show to have an, um, its own identity. And so our music supervisor gave us a call. He was like, yeah, do you guys want to throw in? He was like, uh, yeah. So immediately, you know, we called in several songwriters and artists, both past legends and current legends, and um, just started the process of getting ideas. Jacob had a, a piece of music he had started um, for score, I mean, he played it for me. I was like, man, this sounds like the main titles. Again, we were knee deep in score, so we probably argued a little bit about it longer <laughs> than we wanted to. Um, but then we kicked the tempo up, played it for the songwriters. A couple of them wrote an idea, and then Scotty came over first. He was the first one we wrote with. Um, and it, honestly, writing it in the room felt like magic. And we submitted it, and they're like, this is the one. And, you know, I, I was make a joke, right? Like, the only way we didn't feel the pressure is we just literally did not think about it. We mm-hmm. wanted to just make something amazing that we felt like had an identity for the show. Um, and I could feel like it could live on its own. Um, and everybody loved it. And yeah. to be honest with you, you know, we're very proud of that, man. We're very proud of the opportunity and how it came out. 
um, and how that show has been able to establish its own identity with such an iconic brand. Absolutely. That's great. Yeah, well, you guys have been – we want to be respectful of your time. We thank you for the time. Yeah, I know you guys are in production tunnel yeah, right so now, like we, you said. We so. get it. So <laughs> just a couple quick questions, and then we'll let you enjoy your day. Yeah. Um, I do want to know – Rob had a question on – Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Go, so and then I've got I just want to know <clears> – <throat> Excuse me. I want to ask. We don't often get to talk to uh, to like younger producers and composers and stuff. We talk to um, a lot of artists, a lot of guys who came up in the analog age. Uh, but you guys are digital natives, I'm, or at least close to it. Um, so I want to know what is your DAW mm-hmm. of choice when you're when you're producing, when you're scoring, when you're tracking, uh, and do you do certain ones for tracking, certain ones for mix, or do you have a, just your favorite? Uh, I'm a logic pro guy okay um and then uh i i have a, a very love-hate relationship with pro tools okay. um that's kind of how i feel like everybody that i know that uses pro tools yeah. is like i freaking hate pro tools but yeah, i use it all the time yeah. yeah yeah so i i don't create in pro tools that's always okay. just for delivery mm. but wrong yeah i'm i'm pro tools I, it's funny because even in college uh, when i first started taking stuff per, uh seriously i had a professor who played me a lot of music, pop music specifically, and he showed me, I'll never forget, um, it was an NSYNC song. I hated NSYNC, right? <laughs> but he played me this song, um, it was a Backstreet Boys, I don't remember, but he played me this song, and he's like, listen, he was like, I want you to really study production. If you want to do this, listen to why this is great. I was like, who did this? And he was like, BT. And he was like, BT produces in Pro Tools. He's like, I'm producing in Pro Tools. <laughs> and so uh, I, from then on, I started just learning how to, manipulate audio in a way that because at the at the time in the beginning pro tools just wasn't the beast that it is now especially with midi um i started in digital performance so i i knew how to use midi properly but it just took me a while to perfect it and then eventually i just knew it so well that it's more costly time-wise to switch to another DAW. if i'm at jacob's studio then you know i can copy and paste and move around in logic but i can't i don't have the like i know how to make something sound the way i want to in pro tools Mm. sure Pro Tools got its problems, like anything, but mm-hmm. I love I love it here. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. All right, last question we ask everybody, and we'll ask you both. So you guys are on on the road. Uh, you're traveling. We ask most people that are musicians that are on tour, but in your case, mm-hmm. we'll just say you go into a gas station. What is your gas station snack food of choice? While you're thinking of it, I'll tell you mine. I get a Three Musketeers bar. When I was growing up, my mom would say you could have any candy bar you want, and that's the most ounces, and they're all the same price. So I get a Three Musketeers <laughs> bar. What? We'll go, Jacob, we'll start with you, and then Ro. Uh, what's y'all's gas station snack food of choice? Payday bar and a Mountain Dew. Okay. Solid. Boom. Solid choice with the payday. Coming in Love strong. Them. Yeah, we don't hear payday much. That's good. Yeah. You guys are way too simple, man. Like, they gotta, I'm too complex. I, it depends on my mood. But usually... <laughs> Let me tell you, Jacob will tell you this. It's probably nine times out of ten, nine times out of ten, it's Oreos. Okay. Right? Nine times out of ten. But there'll be if I'm in a different mood, if I'm working out and I don't want to eat like that, like then I'll try and be a little healthier and get fig newtons. You know? <laughs> okay. So it feels like a healthier, healthier. healthier. Yeah. healthier. That's good. That's good. And and you know, for shits and giggles, I might grab a Snapple and um rice crispy treats because okay. I want to be fat sometimes too. Okay. So. Okay. You know, we like we rotate. Oreos. Oh yeah. Are you going double stuffed on the Oreos or just the regular? <laughs> is it too much with the Sometimes it, I'm telling you, whichever ones I see first. Okay. <laughs> whichever ones I see first. Because usually those gas station chips are quick. They're yeah. like, man, I need to get out of the studio. I need some sugar. Okay. Oreos. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, they might not even allow this in California. Do they have the mega Oreos that are just like this stack? Have you seen those? 
It's like triple. <laughs> they, I, so they sell them. They sell them here, but Dude, it here sounds like the, the kind South, of thing. We're that, in Tennessee, bro. I don't, we didn't. We didn't tell you this, but we're in like the Nashville yeah. area. But we're right here in Tennessee, and everything is just packed full of sugar and sweets. Yeah. And so you can pretty much here, you can kind of just take whatever you want to the counter, and they'll be like, "Do you want us to fry it real quick?" Or yeah, you know. <laughs> Nashville has great food, though. I yeah, 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 yeah. Come on, we'll do the we'll do the tour here. We'll <laughs> yeah. take you around, guys. This yeah. has been fun. Seriously, thanks so much. Y'all have been fun, man. This has been yeah, great. Hope y'all had a fun. good time. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, this is great, man. Yeah. If we can ever help with anything, let us know. Thanks for hanging yeah. out. Thanks. All right, guys. Thank you. Thanks. Best of luck. Get some sleep. Get, yeah, some, get rest, some rest, and then best of luck with the tunnel. <laughs> Appreciate that. All right. Thanks, All right. We'll take it easy. Cheers. Okay. This is the Great Song Podcast. And that was Jacob Yaffe and Rowan Hilton, uh, producers, composers, writers. They do all the things, honestly, you guys. Let's just, they're, they're doing it all. They're doing 100 extra levels. And not to mention, Jacob told us as soon as we got on with him, he's like got a newborn baby yeah. and a three-year-old. He's like, I'm literally just, I've never slept less in my entire <laughs> life. So uh, y'all keep them in your prayers. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, this has been awesome. I've loved this behind the scenes tour. It's been it's fun. It's given us a chance to sort of uh, elevate and magnify some voices that otherwise might get passed over, you know, because we t- we focus on artists. It's the natural thing. You're like, who sang that song? Mm-hmm. Who played that thing? Um, so I, you know, I would not mind doing another tour someday of you know some more voices in this um, you know this kind of backstage area of the music industry that yep. don't always get you know pointed out like this it's a lot of fun and they deserve credit they're absolutely. as much a part of the process as anybody absolutely. else so and we've liked getting to know these people we made some friends out of it for absolutely. sure and uh, some good connections that we'll keep in touch with uh, throughout the coming years and seasons for you guys and right. if you haven't uh, if you don't follow us already Rob tell them where they can find us and how they can man jump. first of all we would love for you to subscribe to the show if this is the first time listening uh, we would love for you to hit that subscribe button on your app of choice uh, or you can go to greatsongpodcast.com and do several things from there. Uh, and you can hit us up on social media at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Great Song Pod. We have a Facebook group that is called Great Songs and the Great People Who Love Them Greatly. If you would like to be one of those great people, we would love to have you. And if you want to go the extra mile and be part of supporting the show on Patreon, you can do that and help us by becoming a producer yourself. Yep. And uh, if you want to support the show at any level, we'll give you all the bonus goodies that we can. Early release, extended episodes, bonus shows, uh, weekly uh, extra shows shows during the season and uh, bonus episodes that you can't get anywhere else uh such as what did we do last season we did uh we've done beastie boys we did poison we've done um, cranberries we did cranberries we just most recently did most recently we did Soundgarden's uh black hole sun so it's a lot of fun and you don't get those on the regular feed those are only on patreon so uh, if you want to do that hey that's that's just our way of saying thank you for uh throwing some support our way on patreon so this is going to be our last stop on our behind-the-scenes tour of the music industry, which means that Season 10 is happening next, next week. week. Oh, Holy yeah. cow. Can't wait to get Season 10 Back underway. Back to games and jingles and all the That's things. That's right. Full-length full episodes return next week. But this has been a fun little break without really taking a break. Yeah. You know, um, a little shorter episodes. Season 9.5. There you go. That's right. Season 9.5. The postseason, as it were. Or the preseason. Yeah. It's kind of both. Put it where you want. Yeah, that's right. Just put it, yes, put it where you want. Uh, No. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Nope. Absolutely not. Uh, Next week, guys, it's season 10. It's back. I don't know how else to say it. Let's do it. Season 10. Here we go again. It's coming. Season 10. It's happening. We'll see you guys next week. Until then, I'm Rob. I am JP. Go listen to some music.